And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. High in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 149 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. And Andy, 149 career home runs so far for Brandon Belt. Ooh, so far. Well, um, I guess we can probably forecast to hit a few more, right? As long as he can get off that gimpy knee of his. Uh, which, uh, you know, and, and and he was actually having a really good season that no one noticed uh, before he got hurt. Um, and maybe we didn't notice that how much the Giants missed him because of one Lamont Wade Jr. who rose out of the ether. But um, yeah, Brandon Belt, good giant, good giant. I think both people on both sides of the Belt Wars can agree on that. I don't remember an injury ever quite happening like this, where the guy is who gets hurt is is hot. He's having a good season. Brandon Belt's on base percentage was three sixty three. He's starting to hit for power, and he he gets hurt. And then the guy who replaces him, uh, and it's actually kind of a platoon with Darren Ruff and, and Lamont Wade, uh, like they're just as good. And I I don't remember an injury just like seamlessly transitioning uh, transitioning into like a oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we we don't miss him at all. Except that's not quite true. They they do miss him very deeply. They do. And I think one thing I looked at that kind of blew my mind as of a couple of weeks ago, and I can check this to see if it's still accurate. But I was looking at wins above average by position, and the Giants uh, are let's see, they are um, fifth in wins above average at first base, and. They're pretty much dead even with the Atlanta Braves, who have a guy named Freddie Freeman. So Giants first baseman have been equally as valuable as Freddie Freeman. I think I think you would take that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, Lamont Wade uh, Jr. allows me to segue into what is probably the most important development for the Giants over the weekend. Uh, I was, you know, I was on assignment, as they say. I was in Santa Barbara uh, to celebrate the life of my aunt, who was a, just a beautiful, uh, almost perfect woman. Her only flaw was that she was a Dodgers fan. Um, but other than that, uh, just an amazing woman. And I, I wasn't able to watch the games as closely as I could have. Uh, and so I would check the highlights. And when I got to the Lamont Wade home runs, uh, I was not expecting he hits it high. He hits it deep. It is out of here. And oh, my gosh, that was the best feeling in the world. Dwayne Kuyper returning to the booth. The best development for the Giants all week, all year. Yeah, I mean, we went two months without hearing that call. And, and the Giants hit so many homers that would have given him so many opportunities <laughs> to rip off that call. And and I don't know if, if you saw some of the uh, some of the other snippets, like when he uh, surprised Mike Kruko. Because Kruk didn't know he was coming until he yelled surprise, basically, and, and walked in the booth. And you could just tell how much it meant to people to have him back and how much it meant to to him to, to be back. And and uh, 
uh, I, you know, it's, I know that we don't have the same experience maybe uh, as, as fans at home who watch the games on TV, but the broadcasters just connect you to everything. And we are so spoiled uh, to have the broadcast team that the Giants have. And, and and you know what? I miss them. I miss them on the road. The broadcasters aren't on the road with us. Uh, normally, we spend a lot of time with them on the road. Um, you know, we're not traveling with the team and on the charters, et cetera, like they are. But we see them around the ballpark. We eat dinner with them in the press dining room. And uh, um, and I, I miss all those guys this year. And although now we can see them on the field a, a little bit here and there uh, when we're at home. So I, I can't wait to see Kipe. And, uh, and, um, and obviously, uh, he's been a sight for sore ears. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. My uh, experience is a little bit different than yours uh, because I do really, I watch a lot of games from home. Uh, most of my games are, I'm watching at home. I'm And uh, it, it really is something I took for granted. And even as I told myself I wasn't taking it for granted, but over the last three decades, like uh, me, for me evolving from a, a fan to a super fan, to a fan blogger, to someone who, who developed a career, all along the way, that's being narrated by Dwayne Kuyper. And so it's just such a part of, of my life and what it's the last three decades of watching Giants baseball, uh, four decades, I guess. And it's it's just, it's amazing how much he means, how much one voice can mean and how when it's taken away so suddenly, just the gap it leaves. And then once it's back, just instantly, just, oh yeah, now it just, it feels so right. I think the best word to describe him would be genuine. He's just a genuine person and he's got a genuinely funny dry sense of humor and he and crew play off each other so well and whenever I listen to anybody else and this is no knock on any specific broadcaster but so many tv broadcasts are well he's through the slider one two he's got him set up in now it's and they try to be predictive for all the granular stuff that's going to happen on every pitch and it's just I'm bored by that stuff I I just don't I mean I care but I, I don't necessarily need someone to be playing, you know, pin the tail on the donkey every pitch with what's going to be coming. And and that's not what you get when you get Kruk and Kipe on the broadcast. I mean, they make as keen game observations as anyone, but then they're going to pull stories from their careers, from their lives, from from past seasons they've broadcast. And, and they have so much uh, uh, of a catalog and inventory of things they've seen. Um, that they can instantly put something into context, a colorful context, as opposed to sort of the, you know, the the beige granular, 
grains of sand of, oh, well, he's got him set up, set up in now after throwing him away. Dwayne Kuyper is the uh, number one trade acquisition the Giants could have made at the deadline. Just getting yes. him back makes everything better. Uh, but I suppose we should talk about the actual trade deadline. Uh, and, and like I said, I didn't watch, uh, I certainly didn't watch much of Saturday's game other than the highlights or lowlights as they were. Um, but is there, so maybe you can just fill me in on what in the heck happened to Kevin Gossman uh, because that, the line is a little brutal though the walks i mean he he didn't walk a ton of players or a ton of batters in the early part of the season he's starting to the walks are creeping up which maybe isn't like his command is failing him but more he's having to nibble more because uh batters are expecting that splitter or able to read it off his his hand easier i don't know tell me what's going on with gossman oh well i think the key number is 10 10 is the number of splitters that he threw uh, against the Pirates uh, out of, I, I don't have his pitch count in front of me here, but um, that just tells you everything right there. This is a guy whose pitch count or pitch usage of his splitter was going up and up and up. Uh, and he was throwing it a ton, you know, with runners on base and it's been effective. And you knew there was going to be some regression. I mean, the guy was not going to pitch holding batters to a 170 average all year long as he has. He's he's not going to be, I think, batters with runners in scoring position. Let me take a look at the, the, the season. Runners in scoring position. Kevin Gossman, uh, seven for 70. And I believe two of those hits came against the Pirates uh, in his last start. So there were about five for 65 or something before that. That's a 100 average with runners in scoring position. I even flashed back to Dodger Stadium where he had runners on. He was struggling early. And Wilmer Flores was shifted over and he made a nice lunging grab of a line drive that probably would have driven in a couple runs. So Kevin Gossman has been, in addition to extremely good, he's also been a little bit lucky. And I think that some of that will change. Um, the biggest thing is, is getting him mechanically right again so he's not jumping, he's not getting too fast, and he's not choking that split and making it a pitch that's easy to take out of the hand because once that happens, then it's really, really tough for him and he's he's, he's battling uphill. So, um, you know, I, I think that uh, you have to hope that it's a mechanical thing. He's out of sync. He's obviously going through a lot personally right now that would weigh on anybody with his wife's pregnancy. So, um, you know, it's uh, but there's also sort of layering in the overall concern that they have with all of these pitchers. They made 11 starts, 12 starts last year. They didn't get stretched out at all. A guy like Anthony DiScalfani pitched even less than that last year. So, um, you know, how they're going to respond in their 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th start, uh, I think is a bit of an unknown. And why I, I do think that by the time we record another podcast, the Giants will have uh, acquired a starting pitcher to kind of give them a little bit more uh, more depth and more coverage there. In Gossman's first 15 starts, he walked more than two batters just once. In his last, let's see, five starts, he's done it four times. So, it see it if the Giants were thinking, you know what, we're going to we're going to roll into the the postseason with uh, a, a front three of Gossman, uh Disclafani and I don't know Wood or, or or whomever steps up. I think now with Gossman being a little little mortal, uh I I agree with you. It's it's got to be a starting pitcher right? I would think so. And, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, we all look at the, the number ones and the people out there who would make an impact. Max Scherzer, I think is where you start uh, when you're looking at that list. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it could be, it could be more of a depth piece too. It could be somebody that they just feel could give them good bulk innings. And after everything we've seen, uh, I, I, I just don't think that, um, 
I almost think whoever they get, I'll be like, okay, good move in advance because they they just hit on so many things this year. Uh, things that names that you wouldn't necessarily have gotten excited about, like Lamont Wade Jr. or going back away is Mike Yastrzemski. And um, you know they they've just had such a good track record going right now that you know if if you tell me that they went out and they acquired um, I don't know. Uh, 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 Dylan Bundy, you think, oh, he's he's not doing well at all. Well, I'd be like, oh, good. Well, they found the keys to Dylan Bundy, and they're about to <laughs> unleash him. You know, so I, I'm kind of, uh, I maybe conditioned toward optimism uh, with just how everything has gone this year. But but of course, I think it's going to be super exciting to fans if they get somebody who is you know a Scherzer or or, or somebody like a Berrios or uh, someone that you know could could handle. Um, you know, pitching a game one or game two of a postseason series. Yeah, it, it is a, a logical fallacy called appeal to authority where you just say, oh, yeah, they know what they're doing. But the Giants keep freaking knowing what they're doing. They surveyed like, you know, a, a three dozen starting pitchers and came away with Disclefani and Alex Wood, who have been instrumental to where they are today. So if they go out and like you said, you know, get Andrew Haney, I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to make sense to me. But I do like the idea. So it, it makes sense to get a pitcher who's around for next year, uh, because as, as we've talked about uh, ad nauseum, Logan Webb's the only starting pitcher under contract. Uh, so it would make sense to kill two birds with one stone uh, with a guy like Brios or, uh, I don't know, Luis Castillo, someone like that. But I also, I'm really starting to, to warm up to the idea of a guy like John Gray, who they can test drive for a couple of months. He's a rental. He's not going to cost you, uh, you know, Joey Bart or Elliot Ramos or anyone like that. But you get to, you know, kind of hang out with him. You get an exclusive negotiating period. You get to see how he reacts to the coaching, how he develops uh, in that way. And, and that sort of move is making a lot more sense to me right now. So I'm going to layer in just a little bit of intrigue here because Ooh. it is a well uh, known uh, fact that Dick Monfort, the sometimes a little too grabby, grabby hands on, um, thinks he knows everything, owner, managing partner, control person, whatever you want to call him, meat packer extraordinaire of <laughs> the Colorado Rockies, he hates the Dodgers. He <laughs> hates, he hates them. He hates them. I, so I, I've heard that there were even instances in the past where the Dodgers were inquiring on, you know, like some no-name reliever that was dangling on their 40 man and uh, they you know, tried to trade for them. And the Rockies basically hung up on them and said, no, we're not going to trade with you. And then they just released the player. They would rather release a player than, than talk trade with the Dodgers over the years. So you wonder if that animosity would extend toward, hey, I'm going to, you know, enrich the Padres or the Giants here. I mean, um, you know, I, I suppose that the Rockies don't own the Giants any don't owe them anything in this lifetime or the next three because of Marco Scudero. But um, <laughs> it would be interesting. It would be interesting to see if 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 Dick Monfort would say, "Hey, John Gray, you, Dodd, you want to pick the Padres or 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 Giants here? Hand A or Hand B? Pick, they're both behind my back. Pick one." And um, and that's where you're going. And here I thought Dick Monfort didn't have any redeeming qualities. My word, that is, <laughs> that is a tremendous, tremendous uh, uh, idea. But uh, listen, I just, I like what, like when they got Jason Schmidt, uh, I guess he was around for 2003 and they knew that. Or And 
I just, I like the idea of taking a test drive because they're going to have so many rotation spots to fill. They are going to have uh, their work cut out for them where they, they're going to you know rely on Logan Webb, who still hasn't pitched more than 100 innings uh, at any level as a professional. Um, they still are going to have to navigate the free agent market. They're going to obviously try and re-sign maybe Gossman or Disclafani. Uh, but, you know, it's not all about pitchers with team control. It's about someone who maybe they could, like a Danny Duffy. That's a, a name that's come up recently or a Michael Pineda just a guy they're not necessarily going to sign for uh, four or five years but maybe they'll say okay let's see how this works and maybe he would be uh, amenable to coming back on a two-year deal yeah I, I think that makes a lot of sense especially if part of the test drive is on the players part as well to be intrigued by what's going on in San Francisco and and seeing how people have really reinvented their careers or rebuilt their value uh, you get a you, you sort of get a peek behind the curtain for a couple months at uh, at what some of this coaching and some of this data and, and, and this environment can do for you, and if if you're uh, convinced, then hey, that that's uh, that could be a, a good reason to resign. And you know, obviously, in any of these players that that do get traded, uh, then they couldn't be extended the qualifying offer. So that would certainly be um, a, 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 an extra feather in their cap as free agents. And not having that attached to them, so um, yeah, I, I think that there there are definitely some uh, rental type acquisitions that could turn into a test drive, and um, and and I think that the probably the Giants enhancing their um, their reputation as a place for where pitchers can go to get right, so to speak, um, is it used to be that used to be sort of found. Uh, founded on their ballpark and how pitcher friendly their ballpark is. And now, you know, the ballpark is a little less pitcher friendly, but everything else seems to be more pitcher friendly um, in terms of just, just intelligence. So um, I, I could definitely see that happening. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, to go in the complete other extreme direction, uh, the Marlins have been discussed as a team that has these these young starting pitchers. Uh, they have Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara. Uh, both of them have, I think, four years of team control. So it's not just that they have a couple of years. They'll be around for 2022. But beyond that, they could be uh, long-term pieces. I just don't buy that. I don't buy that they are trading those pitchers. Have you heard anything different about that? It, it makes no sense to me that the Marlins would want to trade those pitchers right now uh, when it looks like they're a little bit closer than, than maybe they get credit for. I mean, unless they think they've got so much pitching in their pipeline. I mean, you know, we haven't seen anything from Sixto Sanchez all year, and he was supposed to be the best of the bunch, but but hit uh, you know hit hit a couple of physical issues. Um, if they think that this is a position of such strength for them that they really need to 
um, try to balance out, uh, you know, what they have in terms of their major league inventory. I, gu- I guess so, but um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I I, I think that uh, uh, you know they've th- this is this is how they've they've they plan to be competitive. And and to be honest, I'm a little surprised the Marlins haven't won more games this year with, with all the pitching that they have. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, it's I, I, it would surprise me to see them, you know, give away an Alcantara or a Pablo Lopez or one of those type players without getting a big time haul in return. Yeah, I mean, the Marlins still have uh, outscored their opponents on the year by one run, but they, you know, it seems like they've been really, really unlucky. As an aside, I'm on the Marlins page on Baseball Reference, and uh, Stephen Okert uh, has a 1.64 ERA with them. He struck out 10 batters in 11 innings. Stephen Okert, good for him. Good for Stephen Okert. Yeah, how about that? And I think Josh Osage is still kicking around somewhere, too. It's um, Hell, Mike Kickham is still kicking around somewhere. Uh, if you're left-handed, <laughs> God bless you. you you'll, you'll get a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh chance, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny, uh, we have to do the power rankings or as they're more appropriately referred to the powers ranking every mm-hmm. week. And I have a little cheat that I do, uh, to help me with the powers ranking. I go to the schedule page, uh, of baseballreference.com, my favorite website on earth. And they have, um, uh, the SRS, which is sort of the strength of schedule, it sort of matches strength of schedule with run differential. And it, it more or less is a power ranking. And on the weeks where I'm a little stressed for time, I will say that <laughs> I do a lot of copy and pasting on that. But the one team that is just way higher, given uh, how many you know wins, uh, what the win-loss percentage is, is the Marlins. The Marlins are like always like number nine. And I'm like, wait a second, this is batty. The Marlins <laughs> are in front of like the Red Sox. How is this possible? Uh, so yeah, clearly I think the Marlins are 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 a tough team to figure out. Um, maybe they just, they just need more hitting or maybe their ballpark is, is a real pitching outlier right now. Um, but, um, you look at, at, at the run differential, you look at how well they prevent runs, uh, and you realize that, you know, it, it could happen quick, but the whole NL East is weird. I, I thought the, the Braves were going to be the second half team and then they lost to Cunha and that's going to make it awfully tough for them. But man, yeah, that, that NL East is just wacky. I don't know what any of the teams in the East outside of the Mets are, are going to do at the deadline. That is literally what I was going to say. You, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say the NL East is weird because I want Charlie Morton. Like, I, I think the Giants and Charlie Morton would be just such a tremendous marriage of talent and need and fit. And the Braves are five back of the Mets. And I don't know how. I don't know if they really should be going for it with Acuna out for the season. But at the same time, they really shouldn't sell. It's a talented, a very talented team that should have been better. And they're just five back of the Mets, so they're not going to give up Charlie Morton unless something really changes over the next week. And that's a problem around the league where, uh, you know, the, the teams that are really lousy, they generally don't have a lot that the Giants would want. And uh, I guess that's why they're lousy. But it, it seems like if there were, I don't know, just a, a couple of teams that would stumble and stumble badly, like the Indians or the Braves, uh, the Giants would have more options, but it's just not there yet. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, to your point, the, the Mets look very, very prone. I mean, looking at uh, the SRS, the simple rating system I was referring to earlier, the Marlins are ranked ahead of the Mets. The Mets have 53 <laughs> wins. The Marlins have 43. But, um, you know, when you look at run differential, the Mets are, are being outscored this season. Um, their, their Pythagorean uh, win-loss record is just two games over 500. So, um, you know, and clearly they're they're dealing with a lot of injuries, even, even on the pitching front, which, which is their strength. So, yeah, I think they're very they're very prone. Uh, the Phillies are sitting there at fifty and forty nine. Even the Nationals at forty five and fifty four. I mean, all these teams 
uh, it could be one hot week from from basically taking control of the division. So um, it's really tough. It's really tough in, in, in this environment when you're trying to recapture fan interest after everything that's happened over the last year and a half, two years. Um, you know, I, I think if you have any chance to to really have a, a compelling September, um, that's a tough thing to leave on the table. And so I, I don't blame these NLEs teams for trying to give it every chance they have to to um, to look like they could be relevant. And 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 obviously, if if you're the Giants, your your question is much different. You're leading the division. You're looking to add to this team, uh, but you also have to calibrate the relative merits of, you know, hey, there's still a one, a two chance out of three that that they could be a wild card team and, and, and have a one, this could come down to one game. And how much do you really want to to upend things or 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 sort of suspend your, your progress on the farm system front by what could end up being just a one game chance? So, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I think it's, this has got to be a difficult time and difficult conversations for people in front offices. Uh, in concert with their ownership groups to decide, hey, this is this this needs to be our strategy. Or and I, I would imagine there's a lot of teams that are still a little bit wishy washy here as we're uh, closing in on the deadline. The most annoying team to me at the deadline, personally annoying to me, uh, the the Mariners. The Mariners are one game behind the A's. They're six games out of the West. They are one game back of the wild card. The Mariners have so much that the Giants could could use. They have uh, an outfielder and Mitch Haniger. They have uh, a closer. Kendall Graveman, uh, Yusei Kikuchi would be a great add to the rotation both for this year and next. Like the Mariners would line up so well with the Giants, but they won't stop winning. And and that, I don't know, that annoys me. You know, it's just what the Mariners do. They just don't stop winning. Dagnabbit, oh, yeah. For decades and decades. All those <laughs> spoiled Mariner fans, you know. Yeah. Oh, no. All right. So give me a prediction. What do you think it's going to be a starter, a starter and a reliever, an outfielder, a starter and a reliever or a minor deal? No deals. Give me the bags lock of the oh, week, man. I think it'll be a starting pitcher and and may, maybe a starting pitcher and, and a reliever. You could definitely make a case that they could use someone like a Chris Bryant even more than a pitcher. And I know you are stumping for Starling Marte, and I think you laid out a very good case for him. I still think pitching has got to be where they're focusing most of their efforts. But I also think that they're probably being pretty aggressive on all fronts and things may fall in their lap that makes sense that maybe they didn't expect to do. But I think their intent as this thing starts to crystallize is going to be pitching. So I'll go with pitching and I'll say, gosh, Taylor Rogers is such a fun prediction, but he did just uh, sprain yeah. his finger. I believe it's the middle finger on his left hand. Hopefully he wasn't um, I've been flipping, there. The, flipping the bird. Anyway, I know it's it really does hamstring <laughs> your ability to communicate and express yourself. But so, you know, that may be a tough prediction right now just because of the injury thing. But I think they're going to get a reliever and it's going to be somebody who throws strikes, who maybe doesn't excite you, but maybe has one interesting pitch. I'll go with uh, Richard Rodriguez of the Pirate. That'll be my pick. That would be a big get. And when I was laying out the case for Starling Marte, I think I undersold the idea that at some point the Giants are getting Belt back. They're getting Evan Longoria back, Brandon Crawford, Tommy LaStella. Like they're going to have to squeeze all these these guys onto the roster. And that will be in a way a deadline acquisition to get someone like Tommy LaStella back. I mean, they haven't gotten anything out of him this year. So maybe it's going to not be Starling Marte. I think it's going to be someone, a pitcher who is a rental. I think that Jose Barrios uh, makes a lot of sense if the Reds were suddenly to open up shop and, and start trading Luis Castillo. That would make sense. I would be in favor of them putting together a substantial package, someone like a, a Joey Barter and Elliot Ramos, like a big time package for one of those players. 
I just don't think it's going to be out there. So I will go with a John Gray type, maybe a, a Michael Pineda, someone who is not flashy, someone who's going to start game two of the NLDS or game one if they get there, but someone who helps just in general, gives them a sense of depth, sense of security, and also helps them win more games now before the end of the season. I really wonder what the Kyle Hendricks situation might be. He mm. in, he intrigues me. Um you know, there's some talk about Merrill Kelly, uh, who had a nice start against the Giants and is a guy who's got some command. Um, you know, there's this whole thing about seam-shifted wake, and I still can't pretend I really understand what it means. Uh, I've talked to Eno Saris about it. I've talked to uh, Sahad Sharma about it. Uh, they say a lot of words. I nod with a glazed-over look on my face and then politely excuse myself to go to the bathroom. And and But Kyle Hendricks has whatever the seam-shifted wake thing is. He's got it. He's got it going for him. And, and I know this is smart, pitchy stuff that the Giants are into. So um, I wonder if Kyle Hendricks could be someone that they target. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it's probably uh, the best prediction. I think you're making a smart prediction in saying that it's most likely to be a rental because those are going to be the deals that will be the easiest to close. And, and I think that all else being equal, the, the smartest uh, predictions you can make are, are you know, what are going to be the easiest things for them to actually get done. Um, but, you know, it's also going to be interesting. We don't have the whole uh, waiver wire, uh, waiver claim uh, trade weirdness of August. So teams are going to have to really forecast their needs early uh, because they won't be able to go out and grab a Justin Verlander at the end of August. On a scale of one to 10, how surprised would you be if this offseason uh, the Giants signed Max Scherzer to like a three year, hundred million dollar deal or, or something like that, a three year deal with a lot of money? How surprised would you be if that happened this offseason? Uh, I, I don't know if I would be that surprised. Um, I think that uh, a lot of teams have shown a willingness to invest in starting pitching, maybe not on, you know, six-year contracts, um, you know, where Mike Hampton gets up and tells you how good the schools are in the Denver area. But, you know, uh, I, I think that I think some, a lot of teams have, have realized that it's probably best to, to let other teams take their lumps when it comes to, you know, letting pitchers matriculate through their system and then go out and invest in the guys who have kind of made it through the fire. And um, uh, we saw that with the Cubs, with Lester and and um, and John Lackey and, and 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 Arietta and all those guys. And we saw it with with Houston as well, with Morton and and um, uh, and Verlander and Cole going out and getting uh, Garrett Cole. So I, I really think that that's kind of a um, uh, a philosophy that that has shown it, it works pretty well. And the Giants, we know, are going to have a lot of money to spend. I think they're going to spend a lot of money on their rotation regardless. Um, some of it may be to bring back some of the people that they have. But yeah, I totally would not be surprised if they you know go out and spend a lot of money on a starting pitcher. But I don't think that that contract is going to be a long-term contract. I think it'll be probably a short-term you know, high AAV, can I say a Trevor Bauer type deal? I don't even know if I want to mention that name, uh, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, I, so I, I guess to answer your question the long way, um, I, I don't think I'd be surprised at all. In fact, I think that's, that may be a, a pretty easy uh, way for them to go. And so what I'm what I'm getting at is if I wouldn't be surprised either, and it was a loaded question, but it, it makes sense. I think the Giants would like more money for fewer years and Scherzer is like, you know, the most talented pitcher available. Oh, and and that happens to be the, the contract he's likely to get. 
So I'm thinking it makes a lot of sense to really just bend the the Nationals' ear, uh, offer prospects, and and don't consider them a rental, and be you know talking with Scott Boris at the same time, trying to figure out a way to get that extension done now, as opposed to when they're fighting with you know 29 other teams in the offseason. I think there's some value to that. I can't shake that idea, and it it, it makes a lot of sense in a lot of levels. Yeah, and and you wonder how the the CBA coming up is going to impact all this does it make a player does it make them more likely to want to lock something in less likely does it make teams less likely to want to commit money um yeah i, I don't know it, it really I, i'm not sure what all of the fallouts could be i mean obviously players aren't going to get paid if they're locked out um and i, I guess there is a little more optimism that uh, there may not be um there may not be a lockout, but you can never predict it with, with when a CBA comes comes up. So, But you do wonder just how much that may be a factor when you're talking about trying to negotiate an extension right now for somebody um, with a couple months to go in the season. Right now, I'm currently writing about the, the prospects the Giants might trade, might not trade, uh, and I'm, I'm assigning them. Uh, you know, likely possible, the, these sort of descriptions. Uh, is it even a hot take anymore to think that uh, Alexander Canario is going to be traded? Because at this point, that's like my bold prediction of the trade deadline, but I don't even know it's that bold anymore. Um, I think it just makes a lot of sense because of their 40-man issues. I don't think that he would necessarily be a headliner in a trade, but definitely if you're looking for, um, you know, a trade structure that has, you know, one headliner you know, one interesting person and then like just a way low level minor league flyer, he would definitely, you know, sort of slot in as the as the B type prospect in that group. And I think we've talked about this, though, it, it does limit where you could trade someone like him because, you know, the Yankees aren't going to aren't going to acquire an Alexander Canario, a, a team that, that has aspirations of contending and and has a lot of talent and is going to have to have to add a lot of guys to their 40 man roster even after this season for the Rule 5 draft, is not going to want to take somebody who's a couple years away uh, and you have to, you know, tether him to your 40-man all that time. Uh, I, I think that that's, that's a better acquisition for, you know, someone like the Orioles or the, um, uh, you know, a team that, that is still a ways away. Uh, so it does kind of limit where you could send someone like him. But I don't think there's any doubt they'd rather trade off the 40-man roster. I mean, that just, just, just for the 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 squeeze they have coming with their own players, as we've documented, um, it w- would help them help the situation. I think we've uh, just hot taked our way into our uh, combined trade deadline prediction, where it's Alexander Canario for Richard Rodriguez. I think I think we've <laughs> we've got there. Uh, in a very uh, uh, securitous way. Uh, no, I, I think that the Giants will get a reliever. I think that they will get a starter. I just don't know if it's going to be like a holy shnikes or if it's going to be, oh yeah, that makes sense. I, I cannot get a handle on this deadline. No, I can't either, which is why I can't wait for it to come and go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will not be back until Monday uh, because the Giants have a, a day game on Thursday. It's logistically complicated. Uh, the deadline, we're going to be uh, pecking away at our keyboards. So we will be back on Monday to talk about um, what in the heck the Giants did. I, I can't wait to figure it out because uh, I'm sure I will have thoughts. We will talk about it then. So thanks for listening and we will see you then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.